Thanks, everybody, for joining us once again. You are listening to the Night Food Holdings Incorporated Quarterly Investor Call will be speaking shortly with the CEO of the company, Sean Folkson. For those that don't know, the company is publicly traded under the ticker symbol NGTF. Before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and give us the forward-looking statements. This audio interview could contain forward-looking statements as that term is defined. In Section 27A of the United States Security Act of 1933 and Section 21E of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. Statements in this interview, uh, which are not purely historical, are forward-looking statements and include any statements regarding beliefs, plans, expectations, or intentions regarding the future, including but not limited to any products sold or cash flow from operations. Actual results could differ from those projected in any forward-looking statements due to numerous factors. Such factors include, among others, the inherent uncertainties associated with the distribution and difficulties associated with obtaining financing on acceptable terms. These forward-looking statements are made as of the date of this interview slash conference call, and we assume no obligation to update the forward-looking statements or to update the reasons why actual results could differ from those projected in the forward-looking statements. Although we believe that the beliefs, plans, expectations, and intentions contained in this interview are reasonable, there can be no assurance that such beliefs, plans, expectations, or intentions will prove to be accurate. Investors should consult all of the information set forth herein and should also refer to the risk factors disclosures outlined in the company's most recent annual report for their last fiscal year, their quarterly reports, and other periodic reports filed from time to time with the Securities Exchange Commission. These forward-looking statements can be viewed in the company's press releases, again, using that ticker symbol NGTF. So, Sean Folkson, CEO of Night Food Holdings Incorporated, welcome. Any opening thoughts or comments before we jump into the questions? Thanks, Stuart. Yeah, I think that's the best way to do this. We will start with an update. I'll give an update on both operating companies, and then we can jump right into the questions. So, first, Night Food. It's a very exciting time for us with the ice cream having just rolled out, hitting retail just really last week. So, I'm guessing everybody on the call already knows uh, that we've had some great distribution deals that we've announced over the last few weeks. Remember, we manufactured our first pint of ice cream less than 50 days ago, uh, and we've already secured distribution in more than a dozen states. We've recorded more revenue this quarter to date than any other quarter in company history. The first distribution deal we were able to announce was our arrangement with New England Ice Cream, a regional distributor that services approximately 10,000 accounts throughout uh, the six New England states, that is Connecticut, oh boy, uh, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Massachusetts. My sixth grade geography teacher would be very proud. So consumers in those states uh, should start seeing night food on shelves uh, in the coming weeks. And of course, the other big news that we announced last week, uh, we were finally able to announce our first retail partner. Uh, so the news is that night food is now available on shelf in approximately 100 Meyer locations. Uh, in the Midwest, and they have uh, for us a concentration in and around uh, Chicago, Detroit, Indianapolis, uh, Milwaukee, and Columbus. Now, if you're not from the Midwest, you may not know Meyer, you may not be familiar with the chain, but if you are from the Midwest, you probably are very familiar with them. This is a, a really big chain. They were ranked seventh largest supermarket chain 
in the U.S. in 2017 by revenue, and I think they did, I think it was 15 or $16 billion uh, that year. So I want to let everybody know we, we do have additional distribution deals in various stages, uh, one of which we just finalized last week and will be announced uh, in a news release tomorrow, uh, Tuesday morning before the market opens. You know, consumer and media response has been absolutely fantastic. If you've been following us on Facebook or Twitter, you've probably seen some of our posts over the last couple of weeks. We've had coverage from USA Today, Parents Magazine. I was interviewed on Fox Business. Uh, just a tremendous outpouring of media interest in what we're doing. And now uh, consumers are starting to post on their social media about how much they love the ice cream. So we're really excited about that. People are posting pictures of it in the store, and it's just a lot of fun to see. So, uh, you know, when it comes to the ice cream, I believe we've got everything in place to make Night Food a breakout brand here in 2019. We know we're addressing a massive consumer spend. There's no direct competition. We've got an amazing product, great packaging, significant media interest, uh, an enthusiastic and eager customer base. Uh, you know, we won the Product of the Year Award, which was announced earlier this month, and that confirms consumer anticipation of this launch. And we have a very clearly stated goal to attain 10,000 points of distribution by March 31st, 2020. So... Uh, the ice cream is going very well, and that is the night food side of the business. Uh, now on MJ Munchies, which is our other operating company, we'll provide an update. And uh, we did put out a news release a couple of weeks ago that we were working with management of Global Consortium, which is publicly traded under uh, GCGX. Uh, we put out a, a letter of intent, a news release that we signed a letter of intent, and we're working to consummate that licensing agreement for the brand name Half-Baked, uh, there's been some new legislation in the state of California that has caused us, uh, forced us to change how the agreement uh, needs to be structured. We're working through it together. I do think that an agreement can be reached that will satisfy, um, you know, both sides and also be in compliance, most importantly, with these new California requirements. So we'll keep everybody posted on that as well. Honestly, we were hoping to be able to announce that deal on this call, but we did get thrown this late curveball. So... With those two updates in place, Stuart, I know we have more questions than ever uh, this quarter, and, and I would imagine that we probably have more people listening in than ever. So I think, Stuart, let's jump right in. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your questions. And you just left off with uh, GCGX, that's Global Consortium, and that's what our first question is here. Let's talk about, and there's a few questions here, actually. So here it is. They're curious about the half-baked plans for the company. Is the plan just to lease the trademark out, or will the company be developing their own products to use under the trademark? Also, if the trademark is eventually sold, what would the benefits of that be to the shareholders? There's obviously tremendous potential for that trademark, and I'd like to know the company's plan to maximize that trademark's potential for shareholders and the company. Right. So I think when they say developing, I think they mean would we actually be manufacturing and bringing the products to market. So I want to make it clear, the plan is to license that trademark to operating companies you know, that have the resources, the expertise, and the legal right and permissions and licenses to manufacture and operate within each state. Uh, we can and we expect to work with our licensing partners on the actual product development, but the value to our shareholders is not in the products themselves. 
but in the brand name and developing that brand name. You know, a friend of mine owned a domain at one time. It's um, vacationrentals.com, which he and his partner sold back in like 06 or 07. Uh, they sold it to a company called HomeAway for uh, $35 million. And that was just a domain name. So domains and brands, intellectual property, they can be extremely valuable. And, and the way our shareholders would benefit from such a sale would be in the form of an improved balance sheet or a special dividend that we could pay out to those investors, you know, depending on the circumstances at the time. Companies sell subsidiaries and uh, intellectual property and licensing agreements all the time. And, and we believe the best way to maximize the value of the trademark that we were fortunate to secure is to let others operate the business. So just so that everybody understands, the alternative way, the traditional way that, that I think this shareholder is asking would be for us, for Night Food, to invest the time, the resources, the capital to set up a standalone operating company, a standalone operating business in every single state, right? Because marijuana uh, products, THC-infused products, can't cross state lines. So we'd have to go through the expense and the legality of trying to get license, which, first of all, is not guaranteed. Then we'd have to operate you know, at this point in 10 states approximately, and as more states come online, we'd have to operate all these different standalone businesses and try to turn a profit in each of them. And uh, we'd have to do it state by state. It's a highly regulated industry. Uh, we'd have to build a team of experts. We'd have to cover the expenses. Profit is not guaranteed. But with licensing, which is the strategy that we're taking, we get our royalty check and licensee, which is the operating company, they have to deal with all the, all the regulations, they have to deal with all the operational headaches and uh, challenges and hurdles, and we get a check every month or every quarter for our royalty. We don't have to do the work. We retain the value and control of the brand. So, you know, we don't believe there's any advantage or any situation where it would make more sense for us to be the operating company than it would be for us to be uh, the company that owns the brand and allows um, licensing partners to go out and do what they do so that we don't have to be in the weeds on a very highly regulated, rapidly changing industry, uh, which would be tremendously capital intensive for our shareholders. Okay, Sean, next question. With the New England ice cream announcement, I expected the Northeast would be the focus for the company and then the company would roll out then to the West Coast uh, or across the country to the West Coast. Then with the Meyer announcement that has a Midwest focus, I'm wondering what is the rhyme or reason to the rollout strategy for the company? Yeah, so that, that's a question that, that we get asked uh, quite a bit. So uh, really what happens so that everybody understands is the different supermarket chains have review periods at different times of the year. So, you know, we're not doing a rollout that I would consider to be a geographic rollout. We're, we're doing a national rollout. Uh, different supermarkets are going to pick us up at different points. Uh, for example, you know, uh, Whole Foods reviews in September, Right. Uh, there's, there's not much you can do, you know, if you come out with the world's greatest ice cream, which we think we have, and we're sitting here in uh, February, you know, Whole Foods might even say, wow, that looks like the greatest ice cream we've ever seen, but uh, our reset, uh, our review is in September, so, you know, we'll see you in September. So uh, there is a, a timeline to this. That's why we talk about the 12-month sales cycle and our target of March 31st of 2020 to have our 10,000 stores. So we are in contact with most of the major supermarket chains. Um, some of them occasionally 
will do what's called a cut-in, uh, which means that even though they normally review in September or October or what have you, uh, if they see the world's greatest ice cream in February and uh, in March and April, they see that we're just tearing up the world, uh, they might contact us and say, hey, you know what, our review is not for another five months, but we want to put you in early. So those things are very real. We are talking to some, uh, some of the major chains about that as well. But what consumers uh, should most likely expect to see, and also investors, is uh, you know, a chain here and a chain there, depending on what their review schedule is and whether or not they cut us in. And that's what's going to dictate how we move throughout the country. It's not like we're going to move across the country from, from right to left or or we're going to start in certain areas and then, you know, on the coast and move into the middle. You know, it's not that. It's about uh, finding the accounts that are ready uh, and want to take on the product at that moment and put it in. Now, with all that being said, I do believe that all the, all the accounts that we're going after will take on the product and we will have the product in all these stores. It's just that we have to go through, in many cases, their predefined uh, selling cycle. In addition to that, and that, that's with the big supermarket chain, in addition to that, we are talking to numerous regional distributors like New England Ice Cream, uh, which cover geographic territories, and those may also take on the brand, and uh, like I mentioned, there will be an announcement tomorrow. Those will take on the brand, and that will uh, facilitate uh, entry into those geographic areas. In some cases, it will mean some some of the bigger regional chains in those areas. In other cases, it might mean, uh, uh, you know, independent supermarkets and other types of outlets, you know, convenience stores and, and things like that. So those are the two accounts that we're working on landing, is the, the regional supermarkets. Of course, also there are national supermarkets, and we're talking to, to them as well. And then there's the, uh, the regional distributor. So over the next 12 months, what people are going to see is, is deals with each of those types of entities and what this should look like uh, by this point next year or, or, you know, the end of the first quarter of next year is national coverage where we're in uh, most of the top 10 supermarkets uh, across the country as well as several regional distributors. And again, the goal is 10,000 plus points of distribution. Okay, next question. I saw the filing last month and then another, both about lockup agreements. Can you explain what that was all about? Yeah, so earlier this month, uh, Peter Layton and I both entered voluntarily into new agreements with the company, uh, which placed restrictions on our ability to sell stock. I committed to not sell any shares for a 12-month period. That's my lockup agreement. Uh, Peter agreed to limit the amount of stock that he can sell in any given month, and both of these measures can give investors confidence that large shareholders are committed to the company financially. Uh, we did two filings because the first filing, there was a typo, uh, which said my agreement was dated uh, in February 4th of 2018, which I think confused a couple of people, and they thought our shares, that my shares in particular, were coming free, and somehow I would go out there and start selling shares for some reason. That was incorrect. The actual agreement was dated February 4th, 2019, so... My lockup has another 11 plus, 11 and a half months on it. With everything on the horizon, I'm not looking to sell any shares. I'm looking to build my position and certainly not liquidate. 
Understood. Okay, next question. Will you be adding CBD or THC to the night food ice cream? This seems like a natural extension of the half-baked bran. Right, so we get variants on this question a lot, and I want to be clear to people that half-baked and night food are two separate brands. We're not going to be intermingling or cross-referencing so that the, uh, the night food brand is a mainstream consumer brand for people that are already eating ice cream at night where we perceive that 80% or more of nighttime at home, uh, excuse me, 80% or more of at home ice cream consumption happens in the hours before bed. We're not looking to weaken the night food brand by adding THC or CBD to it and turning it into a niche product. Uh, if this were ever to happen, it would be years out. I mean, I, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to say never, but I know you're not. Ever, you're never supposed to say never. So the bottom line is, it's not a thing, right? Night food is on the is on the cusp of mainstream breakout. And even if we thought it would be smart to infuse the ice cream, there's so much legal complication that comes with it. THC products can't cross state lines. CBD infused foods are getting yanked off the shelf all over the country. And we'd never, at, at this date get mainstream supermarket distribution with either THC or CBD-infused ice cream. I know everybody's fascinated with CBD infusion and THC infusion. They think it's going to happen. It's not so fast. Everybody needs to slow down, understand, and see what's really happening out there. Anybody who invested, I'm going to say this the right way, Stuart, anybody who invested in the company thinking that we're going to do CBD or THC ice cream and that was their their reason to come in, those people are, are going to be frustrated it's not a thing. It's not a thing that we're considering in the short term. If this ever happens, it's going to be years out. And it's a little frustrating, Stuart. I have to answer this question a lot. So I apologize if I got a little bit, you know, emotional about it. But, but I, I don't know. I know we covered this on the last call. We've covered it many times. I really don't know how to make it any more clear than to say, don't, don't expect that. I guess that's, that's probably the best way to say it. Understood. Well, let's change gears. With the recent change in stock price and the expectation of much higher revenues, when do you expect to clear out your balance sheet and get rid of the convertible debt that's on the books currently? Well, um, you know, I think convertible debt is a great tool when managed properly, and I think it's really misunderstood by a lot of people. Um, you know, we've shown over the last 18 months what a company can do, you know, even with convertible debt and by using convertible debt the right way. So by using these notes, we've been able to raise more money with actually significantly lower dilution than I think we have been able to vehicle. Now, I get contacted weekly. I say weekly because I don't want to mischaracterize anything, but it's, it's probably closer to daily by funds that are looking to, you know, give us money under various terms and and provide us capital, restructure, or eliminate the existing debt. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very patient guy. We will take care of that when the time is right. But for now, as I see the company getting stronger and stronger and the recent rise of our stock price, I think strategically our best option is to leave the debt until we're able to get a deal at, at the proper valuation. Right? We don't want to raise millions of dollars to clean out debt at this point when we could wait and do that at a... a a more favorable valuation by waiting until the market uh, and the news develops over the next uh, next coming months. We're in the process of engaging an outside specialty accounting firm that's going to help us determine, you know, how best to go about that recapitalization and at what valuation it would make sense to pull the trigger. So, 
uh, you know, doing anything when the stock price is where it is and, and, and we perceive it to have a lot more room to grow, we don't want to just make a move that's going to be detrimental to us just to clean up the debt to be able to say we cleaned it up. The beauty of the convertible notes so that everybody understands is that as the stock price rises, the debt that's on our books converts to equity at a higher and higher valuation. And that's extremely beneficial when you believe that you have a rapidly growing company that's getting stronger and stronger. So we are in financing discussions uh, with a couple of funds, and an infusion or a restructuring could happen at any time now, but it'll be on our terms as these funds agree that our value is increasing with each new positive development. And if it doesn't happen uh, in the next you know, quarter or so, uh, it's because we've decided that it makes much more sense for us to leave the debt on the books until we're able to raise money at a much, much, much uh, higher valuation. Okay, let's change gears once again and talk about your influencers. I haven't seen much from most of your influencers. You indicated they would be activated in February. Has something changed, and what is the plan? Right, so we haven't yet asked our professional athletes and other influencers to do much yet. We're waiting until we've tested uh, the massive coupon program that we started back in December uh, in conjunction with our, uh, our giveaway. We're giving away 96 pints and a brand new freezer. Uh, we've got about 32,000 people now that have requested coupons, and we want to make sure that we have the system airtight before we start activating our influencers to drive that number up towards 100,000. Now, simultaneously, we are adding micro-influencers at a rapid pace. Micro-influencers uh, are people that have uh, followings typically on Instagram with audiences anywhere from you know, 10,000 up to 100,000 people. Uh, so they've got smaller followings, which are also more concentrated, more intimate, and tend to be more engaged. Uh, and each week through our influencer team, we're adding uh, hundreds of thousands of additional followers. This is a, a, again, you know, we're we're waiting to do things when the time is right. Uh, I I know every I know there are investors out there that understand that. I know there are traders out there that uh, they want everything to happen yesterday. But you know, you, you do things the right way. We're building. We're building a massive brand here, and we're not going to jump the gun. You know, we've got a very special product, and I think in a few months our goal is that uh, it's going to seem like everybody's talking about it. And as we can see from the media and the consumer response so far, uh, we think that's pretty much on track. So uh, probably March, uh, I would think we're going to start activating uh, our, our existing uh, athletes and have them start driving people once we know that we've got the coupon program down where we're capturing the people, we're able to get the coupons out, people are able to go out to the retailer and successfully use the coupon, and once all that's been vetted through, then we can start uh, stepping up to the next level with the campaign. Okay, Sean, next question. Can you do free samples or special discount codes for investors? You know, I'd love to do that. It's something that uh, we actually spoke to counsel about months ago, uh, we were advised that it could potentially be viewed negatively by regulators, and, and we don't feel it's worth the risk. We've had many investors order product online, and uh, some also report that they bought product uh, at retail in Meyer last week. Over time, the investors can help by encouraging stores to stock the product and by encouraging your friends to try it. You know, I've said this before, having hundreds and thousands of investors out there, really owners, Right, owners with a fast-moving consumer goods product like this that it's easy to talk about, easy to share. 
I think that's really going to help accelerate our rollout because as owners, each investor has a tremendous ability to make a difference. So while we'd love to get you guys ice cream, it's just not possible with the way the laws are. Basically, so that you understand, it could be viewed that the free or discounted ice cream is an inducement for non-investors to buy stock, and that could be a big regulatory problem for us. But we do encourage our investors to get out there, our owners, you guys are owners, get out there, spread the word, and instead of free ice cream, you can help us on our journey to become a billion-dollar brand, and that would make all investors pretty happy. And we're doing everything we can to make sure that the product is available at retail near you, wherever you are, as soon as possible. Well, Sean, that's our final question. And once again, I want to thank everybody for sending in their questions for Sean today. Sean, any closing thoughts for your shareholders, investors, owners, as you put it, and the listeners today? Yeah, certainly. So uh, (laughs) we think, I mean, the ice cream is just, it's got me super excited. I'm sure everybody can hear it. Um, This is not a sales pitch, but something I probably should have mentioned earlier when we talked about discounts for investors is... You know, the ice cream is available for sale online. I have been in touch with, I don't know, dozens of investors that ordered online. And um, after they got the product, it gave them a whole new view on the company. They were able to try it. They were able to uh, enjoy it and and really also maybe run out there and compare us to some of the competition. Uh, So for anybody out there that, uh, that has not ordered the ice cream, uh, I, I recommend that you do it. You know, if you're serious about uh, this company and what we're doing, it's probably a really good idea for you to have tried it. If, or if you're near a Meyer supermarket, uh, you know, run out there and get some. It's really going to change, I think, the view that you have and understand what we've been able to create here. Um, the ice cream is is just. Uh, I couldn't be more proud of what we've created. I couldn't be more proud of the team. And I think you know any investor out there whether they're on the fence, whether they, they have some position or, or whatever, you know, um, you know, people that watch the market every day. I think if you try the ice cream, you'll be able to relax literally and figuratively and understand that, you know, the next two, three, four quarters, um, it's just going to be an amazing time. And we've got a product here that's going to be uh, an important player on the national scene. So, uh, you know, that, that's one thing. Other than that, um, you know, it's just uh, it's just a lot of fun to do these calls, Stuart. I, I interact with investors all the time, not just during the calls, uh, but we get you know I get emails all the time, and I'm always happy to hear from people. Uh, there's some great suggestions that come in. There's some suggestions that <laughs> that are not so great, but we all have ideas and uh, that are not so great. And uh, but it's always welcome to hear from people. And uh, my email address is sean at nightfood.com. And, of course, uh, I do prefer most times that people go through uh, uh, Stuart and email uh, investors at nightfood.com, you know, with their general questions. But uh, I'm always happy to uh, hear from you and uh, fire off a quick reply as well. Well, there you go. Thank you so much again, Sean, for your time. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on this call today. This concludes our call. Have a wonderful evening.